Good evening, East Lansing, Michigan. I'm your host, Fino. Welcome to the Pact. We're talking a lot of stuff today. MSU football with a huge win over Ohio State. We'll have guest Becky D'Antonio with us tonight. What about MSU soccer? They took a season-ending defeat against Notre Dame in the Elite Eight. We'll have Brooks here to talk about it. And, and, and MSU basketball finally falls losing at UNC. We'll debate only on the Pact. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right, your host, Fino, alongside. It is good, it is proud and great to be a Spartan here at 701 Eastern Time, guys. Basement of Holden Hall, Impact Sports Studios. Live at the Impact as usual. We have Harry Jaden with us. Turn up. Austin Goodman. How you doing? Faith Grugalecki. Hey. And Ludaviz, our producer slash guy behind the glass. How's it going? Not too bad. <laughs> as yummy as Mrs. K's cooking. Absolutely <laughs> delicious. Um, so filled up from yesterday. We actually were privileged for some pack members to be at Faith's home last night. <laughs> the hospitality is ridiculous. We loved it. So a shout out to Mrs. K early this, uh, this uh, Monday evening. Oh, hey, shout out to my brother, too. He's turning 22. So so happy birthday, yes. Faith's brother. We have birthdays to celebrate and <laughs> holidays to celebrate as well. Happy finals week. Thanks for being with us as we kind of take your study break a little further talking MSU sports talking football and guys do you smell that because Fino's smelling the roses and it's an awesome feeling to be a Spartan it really is what a victory against Ohio State Michigan State controlling the game 34-24 they shut Ohio State out for in a quarter for the first time all season Ohio State with the 24 game win streak Urban Meyer never losing as a head coach he finally loses Michigan State takes him down and I swear I saw a smile from Mark D'Antonio, and he was gloating, and it was just some type of way for this Michigan State team to get another victory. And they got their 12th victory, and their program-leading historical 12th victory for Michigan State. They have never won more than 12 games in a season, and they get it done on Saturday. And they looked great, guys. And here's another thing. Second highest ever watched Big Ten football game. I think there was said there were about 7.5 million people tuned into the Big Ten Championship. It was a great game to watch, whether if you were in Indianapolis, here in East Lansing, hopefully not burning anything. Uh, but uh, it was just great to watch. And like I said, I'll keep reiterating, guys, to be a Spartan. It's very proud. So for the university, I know we take a third-party objective perspective on our team, but this is one moment where we can take and analyze our club and analyze our team and analyze our school to be proud. And it really is a proud moment. But let's kind of dissect this game a little bit. We do have guest Becky D'Antonio calling in from the Spartan Banquet at 7.10. So we'll kind of talk with her at, at that time. So about seven minutes, really, not necessarily to kill, but to talk about this game. And mainly, Harry, I kind of loved what I saw of the Michigan, this Michigan State team. They looked great. They looked efficient. And defense played better than ever. I think it was their best defensive performance all season long, given the circumstances. Definitely, definitely. Um, coming out, starting off the first quarter, not allowing a point. Ohio State was actually the highest scoring first quarter team in the FBS. MSU shuts them down, kind of set the tone, and allowed their offense to get ahead. And that's when the belief really started going. You really saw the guys, their eyes lit up. They realized, oh, this Ohio team isn't isn't that big and bad. They're, they're two in the nation, but we should be right up there with them. And they proved it. They stuck with them. Even when Ohio State punched back, we came back with, with more effort and shut them out. They shut them out. And, you know, the thing with Ohio State was this is a very dominant team. And I know Fino is always, 
I don't want to say a pessimist, but I didn't think Michigan State had this dominating performance in them. And that's not a hatred for what Michigan State has done all year. They've now officially beat every Big Ten team they faced this year by 10 points or more. No team in the Big Ten, in, in the Big Ten has ever done that. So that's very historical for Michigan State. It's their second you know, Big Ten title. Last time they won the Big Ten title was 2010. They win it this year in 2013. It's their second divisional title. Last time they won the Legends Division was 2011. So a year full of accolades, Austin Goodman. And this team just performed. What did you like out of the game, out of this Michigan State team? You know, first of all, congratulations to the members of the football team and the coaching staff. Knocking off a number two team is a feat in and of itself. But beating a team that hasn't been beaten in two years, it's an honor to call myself a student here at Michigan State University. So... MSU won the game 34-24. Connor Cook had a stellar game. 24 for 40, 304 yards, three touchdowns, one really bad interception. That happens. Jitters of a game, big game, Big Ten championship. I think Connor Cook really came to play this week. He did. And I think what Austin you know, didn't mention, Connor Cook with the MVP performance. And this is, I think, the best performance we've ever seen out of Connor Cook. Austin did mention the interception, which he failed to look off one of the DBs, the defensive backs, but he threw a pick. Good bite in by Bennett. Came in and really, or Garnett, I believe it was, yeah. He came in and really bit and bait that route, and it really was a good route, but you know what? It was picked off. Absolutely. And looking past that, Jeremy Langford. Everybody needs to stand up and give this guy a round of applause. He has had an amazing season. He ran in for a key touchdown late in the game. He ran the ball 24 yards with 128, or tw 24 times with 128 yards. Yeah. Great I numbers, great game from both of those players. I mean, great game from this Michigan State team. You know, we just mentioned, okay, that pick that Barnett had on Connor Cook, but despite that, it didn't face Connor Faith. He played very well, 24 for 40, as Austin mentioned, 304 yards, career highs for him, three touchdowns, MVP performance, Jeremy Langford, 24 carries, scampers for 128. He has that touchdown, as Faith mentioned, the nail in the coffin. It was the nail in the coffin, but like, if you go back, we're thinking Connor Cook, I know during the game when I was watching, I was thinking Connor Cook needs to stop throwing off his back foot. That's when MSU was kind of losing it in the second and third quarter because it ultimately was a three-section game. MSU dominated offensive and defensively in the first quarter. They held, they held OSU, and second and third quarter, we had Braxton Miller out there on the field a lot. And I know that was one of Michigan State's, one of their things that they did not want to do is have Miller on the field because ultimately... Miller got them back in the game off his running game. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, Fate. And Fate mentioned it. Mark D'Antonio, Coach D's plan this game was, look, we want to limit the amount of time that Braxton Miller and his Ohio State offense has the football. And in that first quarter, they were really dominating the time of possession battle. And if you look at the overall statistics for the game, Michigan State holds the football for a total of 31 minutes, 51 seconds. versus 32 Ohio minutes. 32 minutes, 51 seconds versus Ohio State's 27 minutes and 9 seconds. So if we look at it, Harry, and we look at it, Lou, and we look at it, Austin, we look at it, Faith. It was a great, I'm t getting everyone involved here. <laughs> you really look at the performance, and Lou, it was a dominating performance for this Michigan State team. Everything clicked, I think. It absolutely was. Uh, bringing it back to Jeremy Langford. This is his eighth consecutive 100-yard rush game. And for the first time in 12 games, OSU allowed a 100-yard rush game. That, those are pretty incredible stats for uh, Langford personally. And I think probably the most important thing or the most telling thing from this past game was 
they went up 17 nothing, yes. But then they allowed 24 straight points, and it didn't seem to phase him. Connor Cook had the interception, didn't seem to phase him. He played snap to snap, and he's really showing the level of maturity that he's been gaining throughout the course of this season. And you said he probably played his best game. It's starting to seem like every single game, every next game we see Connor Cook play, is probably going to be his best game. And that's just the way that his trajectory is going, and it's incredible to watch. I think the incredible thing for me about Jeremy Langford is the, se the overall season he has had. If you would have told me, Fino, he's going to have about 1,300 yards rushing, 17 rushing touchdowns, I would tell you're lying because what they've gotten from Jeremy Langford losing such a big piece of their offense, Le'Veon Bell, he has fit, he's fit in like a glove. Don't tell O.J. Mayo, but the glove does fit. And he looked very well in this performance. Jeremy Langford looked outstanding all game. Connor Cook was outstanding, Faith. And I think if you're this Michigan State team, you have a lot to be proud of because Stanford, if I'm Stanford, I'm looking at this game, the Cardinal need to be scared because Michigan State's on a mission. And guess what? If the playoffs started this year... MSU isn't smelling roses. They're smelling national titles. <laughs> I like that smell. <laughs> but like Lou was saying a little bit, the maturity, that reversal from the second and third quarter, Michigan State coming back, it shows a great level of maturity. They don't. They didn't give up when Narduzzi came back down on the field. Really inspired these guys to pump up. Let's go. We can win. And so, like you said, Langford with that incredible run up the middle at the fourth quarter, that was the nail in the coffin. It really was the nail in the coffin, as Faith mentioned, Harry. It was that scamper. I think it was a 24-yard run, 26 actually, by Jeremy Langford. That really sealed the deal. And I think if you're Urban Meyer, you really knew it. That was it for him. And that was the lasting moment for me. If I'm Urban Meyer, he, that's why he was eating that DiGiorno pizza or whatever it was. And that's pretty set, you know, yeah. set in stone for him. Yeah, you get that DiGiorno pizza, pizza when you get out coached. A lot was said about about Urban Meyer and his 24-game win streak. But D'Antonio and Narduzzi outcoached him. Braxton Miller and Carlos Hyde were almost averaging seven, seven yards a rush, and for some reason, Braxton Miller threw the ball 21 times and only averaged five yards per attempt. So they got away from the run game. I feel like that's, that's what cost them the game, honestly. They, we weren't stopping them in the run, and they tried, kept on trying to throw it, and it just didn't work out for them. It didn't work out. Braxton Miller was 8 for 21 that game, 101 yards, and, you know, it just was a dominating performance. But as we promised our listeners, we do have our special guest on the pact here. We're privileged to welcome the wife of Mark D'Antonio, coach of Michigan State football team, Becky D'Antonio, to the show. So welcome to the show, Mrs. D. How are you? I am great. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure to have you on the pact. I know everyone here is very excited. And I mean, what a weekend to be a Michigan State Spartan. I know it was actually you know, quite funny. We were joking here at the studio that your husband was laughing. He was cracking a smile, and he had been really proud of his team. You know, he has worked, he and his staff have worked so hard to get to this point. And um, by the time you start playing the game on Saturday night, they've already done so much preparation and they have already game planned, and I think they can just go out there and do what they've been working for so hard. And so I think it was just a really a good, great time for them to get out there and play football and have some fun. I mean, it definitely they were having some fun. You know, your husband was laughing. You mentioned all the hard work, and, you know, if you look on the practice field, the picture of the roses, I mean, it's got to be an incredible feeling, not only for the D'Antonio family, but for everyone that's part of the Michigan State family because – I know everyone is just super excited of all the hard work he has put in, and it's paying off. Absolutely. I mean, when we came here seven years ago, my husband said that his goal was to win a Big Ten championship. And, you know, we've been able to be a part of that. We've been legend champs twice and now our third time. And so just to be able to um, go out and uh, win this game 
and beat Ohio State and have it be just undisputed that we were a Big Ten champs and be able to go to the Rose Bowl is just so exciting. It hasn't been done in a really, really long time. I know the Spartan fans have been patient with us, and we appreciate that, and we're just so happy and so proud to be the ones to be able to take the Spartans back to Pasadena. Now, Mrs. D'Antonio, the beginning of the season was a little trying on Coach D and the entire Spartan football team uh, with the booing of the quarterbacks and the overall down attitude towards the team. Uh, now, did Coach D put a lot of that pressure on himself, or did he was he fairly confident that he'd be able to turn or just go on the upward trajectory that they ended up going on? You know, I, I think he always had confidence in this team. I think I told him many times this season, I think he's done one of his best coaching jobs because we went in this season, um, you know, hoping that Andrew Maxwell was going to be the quarterback, and it was just opened up, and uh, Connor Cook really stood, stood, stood up and kind of took that position, and he's just done a fantastic job for us. And um, But, you know, Andrew Maxwell has just been such a great leader still for our football team, but we still didn't know, you know, who our quarterback was going to be. We didn't know really who our running back was going to be, and it's just amazing how Jeremy just stood up and really took that role. And really, I even felt like, you know, kind of who are those two receivers and who is going to get the job done. And we had so many guys step up and were able to do that and just really make great catches that um, were just phenomenal and just made such a big difference. And we knew we were going to have a good defense. We have for years, but it was just nice to think that the um, offense just made so much improvement from the beginning of the season. And I just feel like we're playing our best football right now. Now, with all that uncertainty at the beginning of the year, how much better does that make, uh, first of all, Coach D being named uh, Big Ten Coach of the Year and then the Big Ten Championship? Well, I, like I said, I, I personally think that he did. You know, maybe he has one of his best shots of coaching just because he had a lot of things that, um, that had to be sorted out. And um, we just have an amazing coaching staff, and every single coach just did such a great job. And Brad Salem stepped in this year and took over the quarterbacks, and he just developed Connor Cook, which was just phenomenal to me. I mean, he was selected second team um, All-Big Ten quarterback, and that's just phenomenal. So, you know, he, he, he lost out to Braxton Miller as the number one pick, and I really feel like on Saturday, Connor Cook was a better quarterback, and I just think that that's so amazing, you know, for, for Connor, for our whole football team, for our offense, and just the confidence that we have going into the Rose Bowl. So, Mrs. D'Antonio, I like to compare Tom Izzo and Coach D in their demeanor on the court. You know, they put a lot of pressure on themselves. They expect to win. They don't smile too often. And uh, Coach D's health troubles because of the stress that he puts on himself have been well documented, obviously. How is it being his wife and seeing him out there? Do you get worried a lot when he's uh, stressed out? You know, I really don't because I think that, um, you know, he tries to control everything he can. He's um, he's a very healthy person, and he eats right, and he exercises daily, and he takes care of himself. You know, the one thing that he can't control in life a lot is stress. And, yes, he's got a lot of stress on his job. But you know what? He loves what he does, and he loves coaching, and he loves the game day atmosphere. So uh, it was very stressful to me. I don't know if it's as stressful to him, but because he loves it so much, and by the time he gets to the game, he's really pretty prepared for what's going to happen that day. And so um, I don't worry about his health. I don't think he worries about his health at all. You know, mm -hmm. he's just he's doing what he loves, and uh, that makes me happy. Mm -hmm. All righty, Miss Antonio. Congratulations on such a big win for your husband and the entire family. Uh, my you. question for you is, what is your relationship like with the players off the field? Do you bring a closer bond, you know, uh, 
as the wife of Miss Antonio? Are you there more often? Are you not? Do you have the players over at your home? What is it like? What is that community atmosphere like? Well, you know what? It's awesome getting to know our players. And so many times, you know, the public doesn't get to know what really awesome people they are. They get to see what good football players they are, but they don't get to know about their lives and their family lives and just everything that they contribute to our community. In fact, Mark and I right now are down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, Claude Denard is up for um, the best defensive player in the country. So we're down here um, at the banquet right now, and we're hoping that he's going to win that award tonight because we would think he is the best defensive player in the country with the number one defense behind him. And so, you know, it is important for us to, for me, to spend time with them away from the field and just to get to know them as people. And they're just, you know, they're amazing. I mean, it's just so much fun to be down here with Fuzz right now and celebrating in all of his success. And tomorrow we'll be in New York City with Max Bola. He's up for an amazing award. So this is the fun stuff for me is just spending time with them away from the football field. I love watching them play, but it's really fun, too, just, just being with them and supporting them and um, just enjoying in their accomplishments. Absolutely. So you have to make sure to give a special good luck, congratulations, regarding you know, whether or not Mr. Nard gets the award from the pack. Okay. Um, so my second question for you is, is, do you have any favorite players from years prior <laughs> that just made a special impact on you individually, Some, somebody that well, you made a special you connection know, with? All, you, by the time they're seniors, you love all of them. I mean, they're really pretty amazing, and we've just been blessed to have some great players on our team. And, you know, right now I'm just uh, I'm crazy about our captains. I think they're, you know, they're all amazing. As most people know, it's been well-documented. Blake Treadwell is our godson, and we've known him before he was born. In fact, um, Coach D introduced um, his parents. So we feel like we have a little bit of stake in him. So, of course, Blake Treadwell is at the top of my list. But, you know, I love Max Kula. He's an amazing, um, strong player who just perseveres and on and off the field. He's really smart and just a really, you know, a great person to be around. And I already mentioned Quez, how much I love him. And, you know, there's just so many great kids on our football team that have just made such an impact on my life, in my husband's life. And um, it's really cliche to say, but so many of them are my favorites. And <laughs> any, any, any one of them that I spend time with and get to know better, I just, you know, I just love. They're good people. They're great students. And they want to make a difference in our community. And hopefully they'll get their degrees and go back and make differences in their own community. So I really love them all. But... Those three, I guess, I'd put it, you know, up there on my list right now. So, but they're all pretty special. Mrs. Antonio, it's Faith here with you. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, we want to say congratulations on your Big Ten championship, as well as going to the Rose Bowl. So, thank you so much, Faith. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on. And um, I hope that all the Spartan fans will be able to get out to the Rose Bowl. I I hear flights and tickets are going quick, but I know there's still stuff available. So it would just be great if everyone came out and supported this. Absolutely. It's been a long time, and um, I think that we're going to represent Michigan State football well out of Pasadena. Of course. All right, I have a few questions for you. Um, one of them definitely is, you know, you've given MSU so much to be proud of, but I do want to ask, after the win, the students were caught creating riots and burning couches and different things, but that's mostly mm -hmm. due to show their excitement. But what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, obviously I wasn't in town. We were down in Indianapolis, and 
of course, we were getting tweets and um, different news coverage that what was happening in town. And, um, you know, it's disappointing because I just, I, I'm all for people celebrating and having a good time. I just, you know, I just hate to see anybody get hurt or property be damaged. And, um, you know, it's just it's disappointing that it happened. And I just, uh, I wish we could find a positive way to celebrate. But, um, you know, I, I'm thankful that nobody was hurt. At least that's what I heard. I hope that that's correct. Absolutely. I know off air, the pact here was talking about how to celebrate properly. And obviously it wasn't a good demonstration of that. But lastly, I just want to ask, we've seen Coach D recently show off his dance moves in the locker room after that big win. Has he yeah. always had these dance moves? <laughs> what did you say? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. Has he always had these dance moves? <laughs> oh, well, if you saw his dance moves, you know he doesn't have many dance moves. <laughs> but, um, he, you know, he, he started that tradition this year, and um, I've got to tell you, I've witnessed it several times, and it is a blast. <laughs> it, those guys just love it. And, um, you know, we were going to pick different songs every week, and they stuck with one of those songs I wasn't familiar with, but now I know it. <laughs> and... Um, you know, they just get out there and they just kind of let loose. And I think that that's one really fun way to, to celebrate in a positive way, just to be with your friends and your teammates and your love your loved ones and just, you know, turn up the music and dance and you know, just have a good time and celebrate. So it's been really fun. Do I think Mark's a great dancer? I think he's, I think he's awesome at many things. I don't know if dancing is one of them, but you know what? He has fun and... You know, he likes swinging those hips after we win. So I was happy to see him do that. And I know it's a lot of fun for him, too. We definitely enjoyed seeing him in the locker room. And congratulations again, and good luck. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You guys have a great night, and thanks for having me. Thank you, Mrs. D. Have a great night. Thank you so much, guys. Go green. Go white. <laughs> um, what a great moment to have Becky D'Antonio on to just you know, show her expression of just gratitude for the university and how hard her husband has worked. We'll talk about all this when we get back on the pack. We're going to take a quick break right here, Lou. Quick break right here. We'll talk right back on the pack. We'll still debate MSU football, what this means for the program, and most importantly, do we personally agree with these celebrations? Only on the pack, 88.9 FM. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building? Without all that smoking? Uh, yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. 
Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pa Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. That is right. We're back on the pact. Um, great to have Becky D'Antonio on the show. She was lovely, and she gave us a great insight on the program and really what her husband is like, maybe not on the sidelines, maybe at home. And it looks like we do know that he doesn't have dance moves at all, according to <laughs> Becky. So I thought that was pretty funny. But, you know, it's pretty interesting about this MSU football team and how, how well they played. But I want to debate on what does it mean for the program? Does this mean that Michigan State now is the premier program in Michigan? Does this mean that this team means more nationally or internationally and domestically about over, you know, a University of Michigan team, a Wolverine squad? They recruit the lights out. They got the facilities. I know Michigan State on the north side of their end zone, they're building a beautiful new facility. What Mark D'Antonio, I think, has done for this team for this program is unbelievable. I mean, this guy's record is what? 63 and 29. He's an excellent coach. He had experience coaching in Cincinnati, you know, and he's a defensive back at Michigan State, a defensive back coach for Michigan State. He's a defensive coordinator at Ohio State from 2001 to 2003. So he does have the experience and of a coach. And I think what is very shocking is his ties to Ohio State. And maybe it shows a little class, you know, I kind of, Urban Meyer kind of struck me the wrong way. I, you know, I think that's something to talk about, is the way Urban Meyer was, you know, kind of after the game, the handshake, and I thought he handled it with no class, Faith. I don't think the whole class, yeah, it's a definitely a class. No class. Act. My thing is, I definitely saw it during Ohio State playing Michigan, when his players were evidently giving some uncharacteristic some non-tribal yes, signs exactly the good way to put it yeah. um and the way he handled that i don't think that was very proper and also just saying that the game kept on wiping his head he was obviously you could tell he was nervous he was under the pressure and he saw the writing on the wall definitely at the end and he didn't even give credit to msu at the end of the game i realized that when he was getting inter- interviewed so here's a little here's, disappointing what was really disappointing for me about urban meyer was the fact that at the end they i think it was aaron andrews that yep. interviewed him and he, aaron andrews asked him a question about you know what did you say to your team and urban goes you know i'm not i didn't say i was proud because i'm not proud of my guys because they lost the game and I know that's i thought that was a pretty big statement because if i'm coaching your guys all season long, you know, football season, it, it dates all the way back, you know, your workouts start in April, then you really start practicing, having two-a-days and whatnot in July, and look, being a football coach and being around the program, you're around these guys all along, and for say you're not proud about the effort they put forth, hey, Urban Meyer, knock-knock, you're still going to a BCS Bowl, so I think that's something that he's, you know, did he not realize that he's going to a BCS Bowl, and I thought that was pretty ridiculous, Lou. I think so, and I just want to bring up a little something from, I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago, Mm -hmm. I asked you guys a question, do you think uh, Coach D'Antonio was Coach of the Year? And if I remember correctly, I was, everyone, or most people said Urban Meyer, so I just wanted to rub that in your guys' face a little bit, but (laughs) I think that what it comes down to is getting the most out of what you're given, and that's what I think Coach of the Year gives, and obviously they gave it the Big Ten Coach of the Year to D'Antonio. And when you look at the beginning of the season, we had no quarterback. We had an undefined running back, and Langford kind of made himself apparent. And all this question about play calling, bringing back Treadwell even came up. 
And now look at where we ended up. And I think all that's thanks to Coach D. I think Coach D has done a phenomenal job, and he's deserved this award. I'll be one for my words. I'm the one who said that I think Urban Meyer should be Coach of the Year. But going to this game, now I did not expect Michigan State to have such a dominating performance. So I'll bite my words a little bit. Urban Meyer is 24-1, and but the one that lost, that matters. Just like with the Patriots in that perfect season 2007, doesn't matter. They lost to the Giants. Doesn't matter, Urban. You lost to Michigan State, Harry. Yes, and as far as what this means for MSU's program, yeah, what the does theme it mean? song shouldn't be some type of way. It should be, it's been a long, long time coming. Wow. I grew up in East Lansing, and every year it's talks of the Rose Bowl, talks of the Rose Bowls. I was born in 1993. We hadn't done it since I've been alive, and this was a program-building win. And I see where Urban Meyer is getting at where he's disappointed. I don't think saying you're not proud of your players is, is the right thing to say, That's but wrong. I could see how he's disappointed in them because their program is at the level where if they don't get to the Rose Bowl, if they don't get to the national championship, it's a disappointment. And this is such a big win for MSU because it gets us to that plateau where rather than being the dream, the Rose Bowl is the standard and the national championship is a dream. This was a huge win for the program. Big stepping stone. I totally agree, Faith. I think it all has to do with D'Antonio, though. I mean, if you wow. look at it, the Spartans, 12 wins. It's a program record. 41 wins in their senior class. You know, they're going undefeated and untied in a conference season. This hasn't been done in East Lansing since 1966. Wow. You have to give Coach Antonio props because he is raising this team up. I think, Faith, he's completely elevated the bar for this Michigan State team. You know, what is it, 63 wins in his total, you know, his total career here at Michigan State as the head coach. He's revitalized his program completely, Austin. Absolutely. I want to backtrack a little bit back to Urban Meyer. I think that everybody is giving him a little bit of a hard time for what he said at the end of the game. Yes, devastating loss for his team. For me, if I was a coach, I would be disappointed in my guys too. You're going undefeated into this game, ranked number two against the number 10 seed, and you would definitely expect to win that game. No, your team came out. They lost. They got outbeaten. Your only player was Braxton Miller, who had more rushing yards than their running back in Carlos Hyde, who I'm not turning down Carlos Hyde. He's a great running back. But you can't rely on one player like they did. He is disappointed. He wish he wishes that he would have another attempt at what he said and another attempt at the game. I mean, the thing is, I agree, and I said it when I predicted Ohio State to win the game. I know I'm biting my words. I know I've been getting a lot of crap for it, so please, that's the last thing I need to hear right now. But I said, I think Carlos Hyde's play is very effective. I mean, Carlos Hyde dominated the game. There's no doubt about it. But for a guy with a talent like Carlos Hyde, it's going to be very difficult to stop him. But Michigan State did what they always do to big-time names. They don't. You can't stop these big names. You can't stop a Braxton Miller. You can't stop a Carlos Hyde or even a Shazier on defense. You can contain these guys. And I think they contained them enough, Harry, to win the game 34-24. And guess what? We all smell roses in East Lansing or you're smelling bonfire. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, it's been a theme of this season. Whatever the defense does, the offense does just enough to get past it. First Purdue, we only scored 14 points, but the defense said, we'll take that. We're going to not let them score anything. This game, they let them score 24. The offense said, all right, we're going to have to pick it up a little bit. They scored 34. Just doing what needs to be done to win the game, and that's what we've done all year, all year long. Yeah, I mean, they've done that all year, and that's been their M.O., Lou, is really not caring about what anyone thinks about them. Go out there and win the game, and that's what they're doing. They're just going out there, and they're winning the game, Lou. No matter who your opponent is, Michigan State's going to take it to you every single time. Absolutely, and we need to win one more game. One and this more. Rose Bowl victory, it's so important for MSU. It would be so huge if we got this victory because 
as everybody kind of knows, in the U.S., a school goes as its football team does in terms of money, funding, sponsorships, et cetera. And more acutely, the athletic department goes that way. Now, looking back to when D'Antonio came here, it's been an upward progression since then. First of all, you start with five or six wins against U of M, 41 wins and counting in four years, and all the accolades from this season. And now the football team really needs to take this opportunity because obviously we know that we haven't gotten here often. And when you look around at the, le- the rest of the athletic department, I really think that it's kind of tied to the football team. Right now, uh, field hockey just lost to Syracuse. We got soccer just lost to the Elite Eight. But these are teams in the NCAA championship for the first time in years, or tournament rather. Yeah. Women's volleyball's there too, and I really think it's tied there. And it's no coincidence that, it, and it has to do with Coach D and this football team, and the attitude that he's injected to this whole school. I mean, there's no doubt that what Coach D'Antonio has done for the football program is contagious. I'm a firm believer that a school goes as far as the athletic department takes it. You know, Lou did mention now the money-making power football does have. No disrespect to what the football program has done. I've always said that Michigan State is a basketball school. But Mark D'Antonio is really making us bite our words when we say that because what Michigan State has done, like Lou mentioned, over those past four years, now we have the most winningest senior class in Michigan State football history. Darquez Denard, as Becky um, Becky D'Antonio mentioned, is a finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award as best defensive back in the country. You have the likes of Shalik, Calc- Shalik Calhoun, you know, the Mike Sadlers, the Connor Cooks, the Jeremy Langford, the resurrection of these guys and what Coach D has done has been simply remarkable and it's been nothing but humbling to watch. I just want to ask a question and maybe all of you guys, but like Dan, uh, Mrs. D'Antonio touched on, do you think the celebration with the riots, the burning of the couches, the overturning of a car, uprooting of stop signs, yeah. was that appropriate? I, 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 To be honest with you, Faith, I didn't think it was super appropriate, but you know how many people have came up to me and go, Fino, Quipping a Debbie Downer, it's tradition. And for me, I think some traditions are meant to be broken. And I think, yeah, you can burn a couch, but once you start getting very destructive, I think there's other ways to celebrate. For me personally, if I want to celebrate, hey, Fino, how do you want to celebrate? I'd be like, let's go to Rick's. That's honestly what I tell you is maybe the bar or some other story. I Yes, I am of age, but I would go to the bar and celebrate versus burning something, Harry. I think this is a tradition. It's going to be hard to curb because when we win... Students under the influence are obviously going to want to do something crazy, but I saw a good, I was looking actually at the comments section on ESPN, and I saw a good uh, good suggestion. Maybe uh, MSU could build a huge bonfire in the middle of the campus. I know Auburn has a thing where they throw toilet paper over Tumor's tree, in Tumor's corner, I mean yeah. over a tree. We could do something like that after big wins or something like that and turn it into something controlled, have the fire department ready and the police ready, unlike they were on Saturday. I don't know what they were expecting because we have a history of rioting, and this was going to be something we hadn't done in 25 years. I think the interesting part, what Harry mentioned, was the Auburn University, you know, the school and the athletic department, and more importantly, the administration, accepts and condones mm-hmm. that action. They allow that to happen. And by no means does Michigan State condone this exact action. You went on the president, Luann Simon. She said, no, we do not support this at all. Students need to be held accountable, and the students that will be held accountable will receive some consequences. Now, we need to find an active way of celebrating that is condoned and deemed appropriate and accepted by not only the athletic department, Austin, but the administration. I'm actually kind of speechless at the fact that everybody that it brought such a big up, uprising I'm 
I'm not disappointed in any student that partook in it. No. Just because you want to be a part of that atmosphere. We all go to college, and we all want our team to go to the Rose Bowl, the national championship. Yeah. You know, do well in the NCAA tournament for basketball. We all want that. We all want to have a good time and, you know, celebrate when our team wins. Now, when you're doing something that is so destructive, disturbing, and kind of just a little bit too over the top, you have to think to yourself, well, you know, maybe that comment is a good idea. Maybe we should try to find something else to unite us as a community, as these coaches are also trying to do in D'Antonio, Izzo. If our teams are united, our community and school needs to be united as well and not go over the top like that, but keep it controlled. Let me ask you this, and I, I, I want to ask a question to Lou, and I'll follow up with that too. I, you know, I'll agree to an extent that yes, you can't condone or fault anyone that partake in the action. Me personally, I would not have done that because that's just not that kind of person I am. But I'm curious to know what your reaction to this, Lou. Is that an active way you celebrate? I mean, I don't think so. I yeah, mean, I think it's, it's. I mean, it's a juvenile. I, that's actually the word I was just thinking. Nice. Of. But at the same time, I don't know how you're ever going to change the culture of that or change that tradition. But, I mean, somehow it needs to be changed because it, I think it's pretty stupid that you go out and you destruct things for for celebration, honestly. I mean, if they had lost or say it's 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 just too old now, you know? Yeah. Say that maybe even after if the Notre Dame game, because I'm still sickened by those calls in that Notre Dame game, to be honest. But if the Notre Dame game had happened on a big stage, some calls like that, then I could understand a riot or something like that. Not I, not that I would be condoning it, but it's understandable. Now we win a Big Ten championship. It's not even the last game of the season, and we got police calls all over town all night. I, 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 I think yeah, it's Yeah, you know, over 55 fire, uh, you know, fires reported. But I kind of want to read a quote from one of our listeners. And he says, Coach D always says this, quote, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Urban Meyer needs to learn that. And I think that's a very interesting quote because I think Urban Meyer has got this ego. He had this ego at Utah. He had the ego at Florida. Has the, you know, uh, some some health issues. Steps away from the game for about a year. Broadcasts on ESPN. Is a broadcaster. And then steps right back into the fray with Ohio State. Takes a team riddled with sanctions with the whole tattoo scandal. With the Terrell Pryor and whatnot. And he's done a very good job with his team. But I think the MO that Mark Antonio has set for this team is celebrate, you know, with class and win with class. And I've read so many articles, I think there's a Lansing State Journal, State News had a nice piece on it, just on the victory of how, not the fans, but the players on the field celebrated with class. And I thought that's some parting thoughts was, maybe the fans need to learn how to celebrate with class, but maybe they should take a look at how the football players celebrated, because the way the football players celebrated was nothing but roses in between their teeth. And I thought that was pretty good. We'll take a break here on 88.9 on the Pact. We have Brooks in studio. We're going to talk a little MSU soccer. Unfortunately, they lost against Notre Dame. We'll talk about what went wrong for our soccer club. Only on the Pact. You're listening to Impact Exposure. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. 
Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on The Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. Morning, gentlemen. Want to hear our specials? Sure. First, we have the seafood special. It's been sitting around here for a week. We're known around these parts for our food poisoning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. It's called A1C, a simple blood test that can help measure your risk of complications such as heart attack. To find out more, go to www.diabetesa1c.org. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. That is right. We're back on the pact alongside your host, Fino, with Austin, Harry, Faith, and Lou. And we have a special guest here in studio. He's our MSU corner kick, one of our beat writers for our soccer team, all season long for Michigan State soccer team. We're very proud to welcome Brooks Lambeer to the Pact. Brooks, thanks for coming on with us. Thanks for having me, you know. Uh, nah, it's a pleasure to have you on. And, you know, Brooks, you've been covering the soccer team all season long. You know, the ups and downs with this heartbreaking loss to Indiana in the Big Ten tournament and what they've done to really defy the odds, the win against Georgetown, you know, the opening win against Louisville. We know they had that bye. So what a heartbreaking loss at Notre Dame. They, for me, they didn't look like they were in it to win it, but... I mean, what did you see? Brooks was, you know, in South Bend for the game. What did you see out of the club? Well, I mean, for starters, Notre Dame came out very strong. A lot of high pressure. So, you know, they got them on their toes, the Spartans. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, it took a while for them to start to get going. Uh, you know, uh, the goal, first goal for uh, the Notre Dame came off, you know, about the 23rd minute, came off a corner. Uh, you know, tried to clear the ball, didn't quite get the ball out of the box. Loose ball, guy puts it in you know, kind of momentum going towards Notre Dame. And then the biggest thing happened, the start of the second half, two minutes in, Patrick O'Dan, the sophomore midfielder for Notre Dame, plays a nice, has a nice shot at the top of the 18, curls it right uh, far post, into, off the inside of the post, and past Bennett. That didn't help uh, for starters. Yeah, I mean, I think for, you know, Evan Pankin's goal really set the tone, I think, for Notre Dame. You know, it was just a loose ball in the box off that corner kick. Didn't really defend the set piece well. And for me... Michigan State's defense was so good at, you know, defending set pieces. They let this go up to Pankin, and now they're down one nothing. It kind of was uncharacteristic for a team that played so well defensively all season long. Oh, it was, definitely. Um, you know, this team prides itself on defense. You ask Damon Rensing, you ask any player on that team, they pride themselves on the defensive play they they, have, they get every game. So Yeah, and then you mentioned it was, like, I think, a 47th minute or whatever it was. Hoden's goal, or Hodan's goal, was just, you know, right post, 16 yards out, curls it in, you know, right-footed. It, it, was, it was absolutely outstanding the way... He really finessed that shot, and, and you, you can't blame Zach Bennett on that one. That shot looked pretty perfect for me. Oh, it was, and you know, it's, you know, Zach maybe be saying to himself, you know, I can get that, I can get that, but that ball was placed perfectly, and there was nothing you could do about that. And plus, the ground, the ground was frozen, so the ball is going to skip a little more. You know, the announcers for Notre Dame said, "Oh, that was his weak foot." Well, that didn't look like his weak foot. That thing was hit pretty darn hard, so nothing you could do. Yeah, nothing you can do about it. For for me. The way I look at it is Michigan State out, you know, only three corners in the game. And I thought that was kind of disappointing if I'm really looking at a Michigan State team that 
has had trouble maybe setting their offense, really. And they're, they're having trouble scoring goals. They do get a goal. You mentioned Jay Chapman gets a goal, assist by Kreutz. You know, it was just headed off across from the four. So you look at it, it's a team that struggles uh, offensively. I think it was a tall order to come against a Notre Dame team that actually defended Harrison Ship very well. But they're still down to nothing. I thought that was just a too tough of a hole to come back from. Oh, it was. And, you know, Ship did hit the crossbar, crossbar yeah, early in the right. second half. And, you know, it was a great shot. Um, but, you know, that, I mean, this MSU, D, this MSU team, down to nothing. They get the goal from Chapman, you know, off a great cross from Kreutz. And they fought back. And that's what this team has shown all year is resilience. Fighting back even when they're down or even when they're tied or when they're going to double overtime. Uh, you know, they fought back. They almost had a couple of times. There was a mm -hmm. minute left in the game. There was a great cross from McIntosh uh, to Kreutz inside the six-yard box, flicked it, but it hit the near post on the outside of the post and went out, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. And I, I, I think the thing was, you know, my next question was, you know, the weather's in the high teens, a little light snow, cold, freezing weather. Now, we've seen in the past that, you know, weather has affected Michigan State's outcomes. Now, do you feel that weather in this game affected the outcome, or did Michigan State just get out-hustled, just outplayed, really, when you look at the box score? No. If you ask the team or Ryan Singh, weather, weather's going to affect both teams. Yeah. You know, there, there's no reason. They're, you're not, they're not going to put the excuse if it was a weather thing. Both teams have to play in it. So, unfortunately, you know, things didn't work out, but weather was not a factor. Yeah, well, so, you know, weather's not a factor. That makes sense. You know, Coach Rensing understands that, hey, we are not the only ones playing this weather. We're not playing in snow and Notre Dame's playing in sunny weather. So you look at it, and it's a very disappointing loss. But I feel there's a lot to take away from this team. You are losing leader Kevin Cope. And, you know, you mentioned to me off air, you're like, Fino, he looked absolutely devastated, and it was very tough to collect his thoughts. It was, you know, just after the game, you know, Zach Bantras put the ball back in, unfortunately, with 10 seconds left, but, you know, just hit it up in the air, you know, and he turns around, he puts his head in his shirt, you know, and, I, you know, you can feel it. You felt it when the guys went on the ground and you just put their heads down, you know, you, you felt, I really felt it for him there. Yeah, it, it's devastating. Kevin Cope nominated for the Low Senior Class Award, Faith, and this guy was an absolute leader. He was playing with the broken rib. You know, Brooks mentioned the resilience for this team, this guy, and it it's just it, it it's heartbreaking and it's you, you feel the sentiment for these guys and you know Lou mentioned it before you know all these athletic programs are just on the rise really for Michigan State what one program or one team can do for another all these athletes and all these athletic teams just support each other faith so you can feel the sentiment really no absolutely and Brooks I did have a question for you I know we were talking about a little bit about Kevin Cope yeah senior year falls short to this team and it's upsetting. It definitely is really? because they've come so far. But my question is, is that did he say anything specific after the game or who's going to step up to take his role on that back line? Well, you know, we didn't get to talk to Kevin. We only got to talk to Chapman because they were just kind of in a rush to get, you know, to get to the locker room, to get showered up and then, you know, to head back to East Lansing. But from what I can see on the back line, it's probably going to be Ryan Keener. You know, he mm -hmm. is a redshirt senior, so he'll be back for next season. Uh, you know, then you have Andrew Hur, Andrew played back there. Fatia Lache, who's played back there and played well this year. Yeah, yeah. So they have a lot of different options. You know, Jay Chapman said maybe a, fr a freshman or a sophomore is going to have to step up. I think they're fine offensively and in the midfield. It's just the two positions they're going to lose, Thalen and Cope. Mm -hmm. How are they going to replace them? And those are two shutdown guys in their back line. You mentioned it, and I'm mentioning it right now to our listeners, is Zach Bennett's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. He's a, you know, he's a sophomore this year. He's going to be a junior. And we've had Coach Rensing on our show said, you know what? 
Fino, this guy has played absolutely outstanding. He led goals against um, that was left in this field. He had a .66 goals against going into this game. Sure, it went up a little bit, but it's actually pretty humbling to know what this team has accomplished because I think Brooks, they kind of superseded all their expectations. They have, and you know, I would no, I would definitely say that they did. They superseded it, and you know, they got what you know they've set out what they wanted to do, and they proved people wrong. And I know you had mentioned Thalen and Cope, who were the kind of leaders on the team this year, especially because they're yeah. seniors. Who is going to step up to take that senior role, I mean, that leader role? And I know you were saying Keener probably, but is there anybody else who's on the radar to be that leader to really lead the Spartans next year? I would say Tim Kreutz. Tim Kreutz has shown some very good class this year, um, especially, you know, interviewing him. You know, he's very confident, very poised. Uh, could be in Montague. Um, Fatai is kind of a quiet guy. He's kind of, you know, sneaky guy on the field. A lead-by-example <laughs> kind of guy, I call. Uh, Montague you maybe um you know and there's a couple quotes when i interviewed him before the for the preview of the story uh before the notre dame game you know he said you know i'm a leader out there i need to lead you know coming back off my injury um but no i think it's tim croyd that's going to step up maybe okay. chapman in the middle but i would say croyd's it seems it seems like michigan state you know they are losing some defensive some key defensive guys you know you mentioned it cope phelan but i think they were turning back a lot of offense so is it a realistic expectation you know, to close out with the Brooks, is it a realistic expectation for this Michigan State team to have maybe a better and more productive offense than they had this year? I think it is. It definitely is. You know, a, a great quote by Damon after the game said, you know, this year, Notre Dame was number one in the Great Lakes region. Michigan State was number two. And I feel like he's recruited well enough where they can keep that consistency. And there's going to be a nice little battle between MSU and Notre Dame, you know, within years to come with these two great programs. But I think they can maintain the offense. Maybe they'll get some more goals next year, a little more experience. J.H. Chapman will be a junior. So, you know, they may get more production from him. Uh, but, no, I do think they can maintain it. They just have to figure out where are they, how, who are they going to replace Cope and Thalen with. Two tough guys to replace, as you mentioned, Brooks. But Michigan State finishes the season, and they fall to 14-6-3. And, and they you know they fall to a very prestigious Notre Dame team, finishing at a 15-1-6. They move on to Philadelphia. ACC very well represented in that Final Four. Brooks, Brooksy, thanks for coming on and talking a little soccer here on the Pact. Um, always good to have Brooks on soccer. He covers... MS for us and MSU Impact Sports. He's our lead soccer, you know, reporter, along with Jonathan Yale. So it's great to have you on. Thank you, Fino. Yeah, no problem. But that leads us to go, go into our, our next discussion. As we have about nine minutes left in the show, I kind of want to talk about MSU basketball. And I do. Because this MSU basketball team, now ranked fifth in the nation, after one, they were 7-0. and They fall to UNC, a team that they just absolutely cannot beat or cannot win. Roy Williams really taking it to Tom Izzo and the, and the Spartans. It seems like he kind of has his number, Faith. I think so. And if you look at that game, though, there were lots of players that weren't playing up to their physicality. You know, Harris's ankle wasn't well. He was missing shots. Pain is plantar fasciitis. And that can be very, very tender. A, I've, I felt it with cross country. It's not it's fun. It's a painful injury. <laughs> it is. It really is. Very, very uncomfortable. You know, Appling fell and hurt his hip. He lay there for a while. That had to have been tender. You know, just I think there was a lot of difficulties coming going into that game here's my thing with michigan state in that game big 10 acc challenge first of all the big 10 just looked absolutely outmatched in the big 10 acc challenge i think we learned a lot about the big 10 conference i think right now they're not the best conference in college basketball i honestly think it's the acc but i think the thing is what i saw out of this game is how disorganized michigan state looked a trap game in unc they did beat the number three team in the nation louisville they were out rebounded harry they were out hustled and to be honest 
it seemed like they couldn't defend McAdoo. McAdoo was that X factor for UNC that just looked absolutely outstanding. And I thought they didn't have an answer for anyone. And the main thing for me is Michigan State scares me when they get out rebounded. And we saw another game where Michigan State was out rebounded. Yeah, obviously that's not characteristic of Thomas. It really team. isn't. And you talked about the Big Ten, but the thing about the Big Ten, right now we have three teams in the top five of the AP poll. So winning the Big Ten, we might not have the depth that the ACC has, but winning the Big Ten is going to be a challenge. And seeing us go against UNC and lose was a bit disheartening because for me as a state fan, I'm tired of Final Fours. This year is the year. This year is championship or bust. And if we want to do that, we're going to have to erase history. Tom Izzo is going to have to exercise those demons against Krzyzewski, against... Calipari against, which he already did, against Roy Williams, these these teams that, these top tier teams, we're going to have to beat them if we want to get the goal. Because I know the guys on the team, they're not talking about Final Fours. They want to win that championship. This is their year. I agree. I think the Big Ten, if you win the Big Ten, that's a statement. Like, you win the Big Ten, look at Iowa, what they do. What Fran McCaffrey has done at Iowa in that program is absolutely outstanding. We saw what we did at Siena. The Saints were excellent. They were always permanent busters, whether they were beating Gonzaga, whoever they were. But the ACC has depth. Harry mentioned the depth of this team, of this league, Faith, and I think it's right now for me, yes, the Big Ten maybe have some quality teams, but I think the ACC is the class of college basketball. Absolutely, but going back to Michigan State, mm-hmm. I think, you know, who's going to step up as a leader? I think that's a question that I, that's been on my mind. And I think the big question mark here is what happens to Dawson? I think he gets very, very lost. His passion and his commitment seem to waver a lot, and sometimes he plays well, sometimes he doesn't, and I think it's obviously frustrating for Tom Izzo, um, and it's just, I know he had quoted, somebody had asked him, who are we going to see on Saturday against Oakland? And he had, said, he had said, quote, who plays Saturday? Your guess is as good as mine right now. And it looks like End quote. You can see his frustration with the team. Who's going to step up? Who's going to be the leader? I think it's clear-cut fate that Coach Izzo really doesn't want to give his guys anything. He doesn't want his guys to be complacent. But what I'm looking at, Tom Izzo isn't giving anyone anything, Austin. He's making guys work, and that's the way it needs to be. With the expectations so high, every senior that has gone through Tom Izzo and this Michigan State program has made it to a Final Four. Is Coach Izzo maybe feeling that pressure a little bit early in the season? I don't think it falls on coaches. So I think it falls. His squad. I'm it direct falsely falls directly on the players. These players have been playing together for a couple of years now. They should be able to move the ball around. If you're starting off as number one, you should stay number one and keep strong to your game. And they haven't been in this last game that we lost to in, uh, to North Carolina. They. It was bad. Brandon Dawson had two points. Denzel Valentine had two points. Like, Costello had six. Trice had four. They beat us in depth, and that scares me. Yeah, I, I, it's scary. But Faith mentioned something that really resonates with me. Who is going to step up? And if you're a leader and you're a senior, I mean, Luke, this has to be Keith Appling's team. You're a senior. You get her. You come back in this game. It's your job to be a playmaker and, you know, felicitate the foot in the football, the basketball, make a play. Who's picking and rolling, calling the play, and really leading the offense because it's not the same when Trice is on the floor. Absolutely. I think Keith really needs somebody. If it's not Keith, it, I would look to Payne, but somebody needs to. It's got to be Keith. Maybe not if, if not on the court. They need some sort of leadership during practice. I, I don't know what it is because Izzo, after the game, he said you have to practice well to play well. And he was really disappointed with the way that they practiced all week. He said there wasn't a lot of effort. Some guys didn't even show to a few practices. I mean, that's that's a joke. That is a joke. That's as a, a joke. Number, as a number one team, your work ethic has to be at top notch. 
in fourth gear for the entire season. And we, we got Christmas coming up, take a day off for Christmas, then get back to it, you know? And it, it's disappointing to see. And I think someone, one of the players, because, I, I mean, Tom Izzo is always going to preach what he preaches. And if you can't listen to Tom Izzo, I don't know who you're going to listen to. That's but true. one of the players needs to step up and band this team together and say, you know what, this isn't good enough. We need to start working harder. But let me ask you this. I think Tom Izzo is to blame. And he would mention on Harry that he is to blame. But I think... Not only is Tom to blame, but I think it's the senior leadership in this team. You just got absolutely smoked by the UNC club that came into the Breslin Center, a place that Michigan State has a fortress, one of the best student sections in the country. You get worked 79 to 65? Is that acceptable? Not at all. I mean, Come losing on. at home with the is zone, the hostile environment we create here is definitely a, not a good good sign this early in the season. But I don't think you can put it on Keith Appling. We're averaging the most assists in the nation per game. He's averaging almost three and a half assists per turnover. He's playing great, and we talked about the rebounding struggles. I think it falls more on Adrian Payne. He's the NBA. He's having great games, but he's got to get the other guys going, get Brendan Dawson going. He's Adrian Payne's actually not leading the team in rebounds right now. Dawson is. I think that's somewhere where Payne has to step up as a senior, get tough, start being guys up down low. Let me ask you this, and you mentioned all these guys have to step up. I really want to run through all the panelists right now. I'm really curious to know what the X factor is. We've spoken about it multiple times, but I want to see if your answer has changed. Who is the X factor for this Michigan State team? Who is going to be the guy that will take Michigan State to the next level? I'm going to have to say Costello. Costello's got to pick That's his interesting. game up. Pick his Ka game up. We what do you like, Austin? I think Gary Harris needs to be the superstar that everybody is expecting him to be. Is Gary Harris, quick question, is Gary Harris the best player on the team? It's debatable. At what? I'm sorry to put you on the spot, but I, I, a lot of people have I told me he's the best Adrian player. I think Adrian Payne is the best player on the team. Okay. I really do. Faith, what do you like? Keith Appling, if he can step up and be that leader that he needs to be. He needs to be, and Harry mentioned it. They're first in the nation with assists per game. They average 20.8 assists a game. That's a leader right there, Lou. I think Appling and Harris are guys that I don't think that you can consider them X factors, mainly because they need to be solid points in your lineup day in, day out. I think Brandon Dawson would be my X factor, simply because... Like I, we were mentioning about the effort problems. He is leading the team in rebounds. So. He is, but, it, you know, sometimes he doesn't have it. He, sometimes he doesn't have that effort. Sometimes he doesn't have that drive. And I think that that's that X factor, that extra push that this team needs in certain times. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And I think what really kind of bugs me is, you you know, also mentioned Gary Harris's play. Gary Harris is obviously averaging the most points you know, per game on the team. He's averaging 17.6 points per game. But his three, per, you know, his percentage beyond the arc is only 27. And I think for someone like Gary Harris and all the accolades from Indianapolis, five-star recruit, it's kind of kind of shocking, Harry, real quick. Yeah, I think some of that comes from the injury. I don't think he's been healthy 100% since almost he's gotten to Michigan State. He's really got to get healthy, get that ankle healthy so he can get it going, so he can get a rhythm on those three-point shots. I agree, totally. Quickly, though, let's run through everyone. Who do you like to win, Michigan State or Stanford? Rose Bowl. Michigan State, pound green pound. Michigan State, number one D. Michigan State. Michigan State, no question. I like Michigan State to win this game. I'm not picking at all the opponent. You have the best defense versus the second best defense. Pac-12 versus Big Ten. Guys, it's been great. The last time we'll all be together for the holidays, we want to wish everyone a happy finals week here on campus. And more importantly, happy holidays from everyone in the pack. It's been great for Austin, Faith, Harry, and Lou. And for our special guest, Becky D'Antonio, special thanks. And Brooks Lambeer. I'm your host, Fino, here at the Impact in the basement of Holden Hall, live at 88.9 FM. Catch us every Monday from 7 to 8, only on the Pact.